Hi, and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's discussion, we are going to take the commonly known idea of Shabbos, but we're going to show how Rav Hirsch sort of splits it, develops it in two different directions that, on one hand, give a powerful message to our daily lives, but also allow us to think historically and how that they were such a radical shift from the going culture and the going ideology of the time in which they emerged. And the point and purpose of this discussion will not only be to describe the symbol of Shabbos and how it manifests in two different directions, but also how that manifestation helps orientate our lives, orientate our lives as human beings and as Jews. And the beauty about the way he pans it out is that he has two distinct messages, one to humanity and one to the Jewish people. So to get the first principle on the table, Shabbos as we've experienced it till now has been this declaration or testimony that we live out by recognizing the Shabbos that the Almighty created the world. The world is not an accident. The world was created. That is what Shabbos testifies to. God worked on six days and rested on the seventh, thereby us mimicking that. We live out that idea by acknowledging the Shabbos. We live out the idea that this world or our existence Nature has purpose behind it. A free-willed being created the universe from nothing means that the universe has purpose. That means the God that we acknowledge the root of existence is free and has purpose. This was a very progressive approach in the ancient world where there was no, there was a forcedness to nature. There was a blindness to nature and the gods were bound to nature the same way we were. There was no free expression in terms of your moral sensibilities. There was no change. There was no creation from nothing. Everything came from where it come before, from something that always had pre-existed and Shabbos testifies to this idea. And by us living out Shabbos or acknowledging Shabbos, we acknowledge this idea rooted in our existence that we have purpose, and there is purpose to our lives. The second idea of Shabbos comes in this week's parasha. So we've got the first idea, how we orientate ourselves to nature. But the second idea is the Shabbos that's brought up in this week's parasha. To give us the background, the Jewish people are in the desert, the Jewish people have left Mitzrayim, and God tells them to go out and collect the mon. They're fearful. Where are they going to get their food from? And God tells them to go out and get the mon this miraculous food that God provides for the Jewish people in the desert, and tells them that on the seventh day you don't collect. Now, on a very basic way, the seventh day they live out this idea that they trust in God. They live out this trust in the seventh day by not collecting in the seventh day. They live out a principle so grounded in Judaism of trust in the Almighty, a word that's used as bitachon, trust in God. And they live this out on Shabbos, now, this has profound significance because, A, from the, as I said, from the ancient context, that God has not only the creator of existence, but also the one who takes a personal hand in your life. Remember, that would be anathema to any formulation of a hierarchy of gods. The gods wouldn't care about you. The gods were not interested in you, unless for a plaything, they didn't care. But when it comes to the Jewish introduction to the world stage, God is someone who takes care. God is someone who has a connection. And this Shabbos lives out that connection. But this is where I want to develop it a bit further. So we have our two ideas of Shabbos. They're both beautiful and profound. On one level, the historical context, which is how radical this was a shift from the pagan worldview, but also from our lives and our perspective. On the one side, that we know the universe is invested with meaning. Thereby, we go through the world looking for that meaning. But the other one is that we look through the world 
with the lenses of trust, Shabbos testifies that God has a hand in your life. By ceasing from work on Shabbos, you testify he is the one who is providing for you. It gives over the symbolism of trust. But I want to scratch at this a bit. So we have our two points. But I want to develop this idea of trust for a moment, because I always found it quite troubling. The idea of trusting God, especially when it comes to the livelihood of an individual. This idea and this, these psukim in the Torah are often brought out as a demonstration that God is the one who provides for you your food. But I always found this very troubling because, okay, that sounds nice, but what exactly do you mean? I mean, do you mean I should go to work? In which case I'm working. And if you mean I shouldn't go to work, well, clearly that's not true because if I don't go to work, I won't get paid. And then I won't have food. And it doesn't help to retreat to well, really God is the one providing everybody with everything, well, that wasn't under question. And it also doesn't help to say that, well, I know people who don't work and they do get paid. Well, that goes for people who are immoral and for people who are moral, and it goes for poor people who get charity and for rich people who get an inheritance. They don't work either. So this is a lovely-sounding religious concept, but how do we ground it? Rav Hirsch does that in this week's parasha. He grounds it in a way that we can orient our lives behind it that makes it a grounded tool in how we actually live our lives. So Rav Hirsch begins in a very direct way. He grounds the question. The Jewish people, as we mentioned, have gone through the most miraculous experiences. But all with that said and done, when faced with the desert, with a faced with the possibility of starvation or the lack of the ability to provide, they panic. They complain. And for Rav Hirsch, this is so expected. A, because it's rooted in our human experience, and this is ha being spiritual doesn't help you when you're hungry or when you feel the need to provide for those who depend on you. The Jewish people may have experienced great miracles. Their belief in the existence of a God wasn't lacking. But once faced with the danger, the real danger, of not being able to provide, all moral sensibilities drop. And this is also, once again, very reflective of our human experience. We're all tempted in the workplace. We're all tempted in how we act or when we're doing a job for someone. There's always the temptation, especially when times are hard. And that is what Rav Hirsch is pointing to, being reflected in how the Jewish people act in this time. And the answer from God is not, I'll provide for you. No, the answer from God is, is go and collect it. There'll be something there, but you have to go out and collect it. And for Rav Hirsch, this is very telling. It's not just go and collect it. It's how much you collect. Not to save over. Not to a whole bunch of characteristics. A whole bunch of traits that we have to have as the grounding in of our work ethic. The obligation to provide for your family is not a privilege. It's a duty. It's being framed as a duty here. To work is not a right. It's a duty. It's something that you have a responsibility to do. And how you go about doing that is also very vital. The Jewish people are being warned against laziness, hence they are told to go out and get. They are warned against greediness, not to take too much. They're warned against stinginess, not to hoard. Now, of course, none of these are taken to an extreme in our lives. In describing this process, Rivka, my wife, gave the metaphor of a gym. She described, take a gym. When a person arrives at a gym for the first time, they don't work out every characteristic, but it's a process. You grow on the process of working out different body parts. You grow on the process of working out different muscles. Same to here, this work ethic that the Jewish people are going on is a 40-year process. And for us, it's the rest of our lives. Developing a work ethic around your livelihood 
is a process, not something you envelop all at once, but it's something you work on constantly. And at the end of that work ethic, God provides the Jewish people with a mon. And the reflection to our lives is that we go through our lives in a certain way. We live our work life in a certain way, and God is the one who provides the result. Now, this is very important to point out. It doesn't matter if you're secular or if you're religious. If you choose to look at the world through these glasses or not, everybody experiences the same thing. Everybody experiences the inability to force the effect. I can do a job for someone. I can do an electrical job for someone. I can fix their electrical board, but I can't guarantee it will work. I can't guarantee that I won't make a mistake. I can't guarantee that I'll get clients. I can't guarantee that the clients will pay me. I can't guarantee what will or will not go wrong. I can only do my part. I can only do my effort, and how I go about doing my effort from a Jewish standpoint is so central. I can't affect the outcome. That's what we mean by trusting God. I trust that God has my best interests at heart. I walk through the world with those lenses that I will go through my work life in a certain way, with a certain dignity and nobility, acting in a way that the Torah is expecting of me to act, without laziness, without greed, without stinginess, character traits that the Jewish people are being impressed upon. So a religious person will put the effects that come out down to God to a benevolent source of existence, and someone who's secular can call it coincidence, or luck, or chance, or the randomness of life. Everybody has the same situation. It's just what lenses you choose to look at the world through. Of course I feel these lenses are grounded in a reality, but that's a different discussion. The lenses are not arbitrary as far as I'm concerned, but describing them as lenses makes sense of the phenomena, makes sense of the idea. There's no practical way of tracking it, because by having trust in God, you don't affect the outcome directly, at least not in a way you can track. In which case, Rapersh tells us, we're not trying to disentangle you from your responsibility to work. We're disentangling you from the anxiety that goes along with work. Our job is to do our part. It becomes a partnership. It becomes a partnership between us and God. We do our part. God does his. And that really brings us full circle. The idea of Shabbos is the testimony to a partnership, be it in creation, that the act of creation is a partnership between us and God, because the purpose can only be lived out by humanity. And the idea of Shabbos in the desert, once again, a partnership between us and God. We do our part, and he does his. The anxiety that goes along with the fears of work, the fears of what might be, if we live our lives out along this ethical path, we know we are doing our part. How we live out in the workplace, how we live out to our clients, to our customers, to our colleagues, that is how we live out our livelihood. And if we do it along the lines that the tire expects of us, well then we can trust in God that it will go to right. It will go for what is best. So to wrap it all together... We had our two principles of Shabbos, and then we had a living out of the second principle of what it means to trust. And it means to develop a certain way of looking at the world that reduces the anxiety, makes you a partner with the Almighty. It doesn't take away the responsibility we have, but it grounds that responsibility in a recognition that you cannot force the outcome, but only do your part. And if you do your part within the framework that's being described, you can trust that it will go to the best. It may not necessarily be what you expect or want, but the anxiety that would go along with, what have I done otherwise? That is what we're talking about, what goes away with this perspective on life. And just to end off on how he beautifully connects the two ideas, we spoke about the idea of partnership. 
And as I mentioned, the idea of partnership between us and God in creation is that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rested to illustrate the purpose, the purpose that can only be lived out by humanity. And that reflects back on the week before. That uplifts the six days that you live your life in preparation for Shabbos. It gives a spiritual overlay to everything else. So too with the second Shabbos. Once again, a partnership between us and God, a partnership of trust, dedication to duty on our side and trust on his side. But the last point is that like with Shabbos of creation, it reflected back on the week and uplifted it. So too our work. Once again, the work that we do becomes out of this mundane, secular concept as a means to an end. It becomes a means to a far greater end. It becomes a means to a relationship with God. The work we do, something that other people would shun aside as being secular or not worth your time, becomes a spiritual endeavor because that goes part and parcel in your relationship with God. Thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful Shabbos.